The things I once hated, I now love, and the things I once loved, I now hate. Interesting words from the Apostle Paul, but can those changes really occur in a person's life? Stay tuned, you'll find out. The Apostle Paul sailed the Aegean Sea, landed here at Ephesus. It's long since silted in because of so many years, but this was the harbor, this was the area that all the sailors and the Apostle Paul walked up these areas here amongst these columns. Why did he come? I believe he came because this was a sea town, a town that people from all over the world came to. And Paul was no dummy. He understood that if he shared the gospel of Jesus Christ here, it would go to all the world. And certainly, Paul made a stir here in this area. The Grand Amphitheater of the Ephesians, a place that held 23, 24,000 people. Imagine they would come out here on a regular basis, and at this time to hear the Greek plays, because the Greeks controlled the whole area. The Greeks built this as their theater for their arts, for their enjoyment, for the plays. But then something different happened. The Romans took over. The Romans beat them back, and now under Roman control, they take out the first group of seats. Why? So they can have gladiator games. They needed an area to place the tigers and the lions and all of the other things that would actually devour people of all things. But then something very interesting occurred. The Apostle Paul came to town one day. The little Roman, the intelligent little Roman, he began talking with people. And soon Demetrius, we're told in the book of Acts, is not happy because you see Demetrius is a silversmith. And the trade is having problems because Paul has preached against all the other gods so much, so much that now their money, their monetary situation is going down, down, down because nobody's buying gods any longer for their homes. What happens? Demetrius comes here, calls everybody from the city and begins complaining and shouting to all of these people. And by the way, from right down here, the person in the farthest row can hear your voice perfectly. And I just imagine Demetrius standing here and yelling at the Apostle Paul saying, we need to do something about this man. We've got to do something. And soon they take a hold of Paul and they're ready to tear him apart, ready to tear him apart. But God intervenes. And finally, a little distance away, they take him to a prison where Paul literally raised the roof with his singing. The history of Ephesus began in the mid seventh century BC. It was attacked by Sumerians, but unlike its neighbor Magnesia, Ephesus survived the attack. For a while, it was ruled by tyrants, allied by marriage to the king of Lydia, and was conquered by Crusus, who rebuilt the temple of Artemis, bringing in many large columns and golden cows for the temple. Ephesus was not only the most magnificent, but the most corrupt of the cities of Asia. 
Superstition and sensual pleasure held sway over her teeming population. Under the shadow of her temples, criminals of every grade found shelter, and the most degrading vices flourished. It's so incredible to open the Word of God, to read in the book of Acts, the book of Ephesians, and realize I'm standing in the very places, the very location where the Apostle Paul preached so many sermons, where he labored for the Word of God. The, the giant of God himself walked down the street, went down to the harbor to where all the fishermen were, watched them offload their catches, talked with these men. 250,000 people lived in this city. And soon, because of Paul's work, in Acts 19, verse 20, it says, so mighty grew the word of God and prevailed. Because of Paul, because of Paul's relationship with God, he spread the word throughout Ephesus. He raised up a church. He raised up a work that spread throughout the world. Wow. One can only get a taste of the former glory by looking around at the pieces of pillars that lined this main thoroughfare. The area from the library to town or from the theater back up this way to the library. It's all marble. You can see slight tracks from the Roman chariots. What's most interesting to me, however, is they had a drainage system here, so when the rains came, it all dropped into the sewage system. Incredible ingenuity by the Romans. If we're ever tempted to think that these people were not extremely intelligent in how they constructed and what they constructed, this library right behind me should remove all doubt. These people did a marvelous job, a beautiful and exquisite job. However, this library only lasted for about 40 years. It was destroyed by earthquakes and it was rebuilt in the 1970s. Originally from the second century, however, it housed a great deal of knowledge of the then known world. It was about the third largest library in existence at that time. Below it, we're told, there's just a little peephole, but supposedly the governor is buried down there that existed or lived during that time. The building may be considered important today because it is one of the few remaining examples of an ancient Roman-influenced library. It also shows how public libraries were not only built in Rome itself, but also throughout the empire. The people that constructed this library were so intelligent about the design that they actually created a double wall system in order to eliminate humidity. Not only that, but they created a roof design that eliminated all the elements but allowed in the most light that people might still be able to read. Now that's intelligent. The Library of Celsus was built to store 12,000 scrolls and to serve as a monumental tomb to Celsus. It was unusual to be buried within a library or even within city limits, so this was a special honor for Celsus. I'm told this is the place where the governor's buried. How do they know that? Well, some years ago, I guess they took mirrors and they put them way over the edge to check it out and they could actually see some type of casket or coffin or sarcophagus down there. But over the years, it's kind of caved in, so this is all we get as a whole now, I guess, and a belief that that's where it is. Well, I spent some time this afternoon jostling elbow to elbow in the market with 20 or 30,000 people, it seems. I've got all my spices, I've got my linens for my wife, 
I got the fish that were just delivered right from the ocean fresh, and now I think I'll go check out the library. Well, at least that's my active imagination for what it must have been like at the time. Right behind me here is the marketplace for the great city of Ephesus. People from all over brought their wares from the then known Roman Empire, spices and various things to trade. I can imagine the Apostle Paul walking through from stall to stall, pointing these Romans to the one and only true God, Jesus Christ. What a scene, what a time in our history. The roots of Christianity growing up right here. As a communist, she thought there just must be more to life than this. But what was it? Jesus told the Ephesians to persevere. And that's exactly what she did. She persevered until she found that loving relationship with Jesus Christ. Stay tuned to find out more. There are times when you can't watch television. The Voice of Hope radio broadcast is a wonderful alternative. You will discover topics on healthful living, family matters, and spiritual subjects too. Depending on your location, Voice of Hope can be heard on FM or shortwave radio. For frequencies and airing schedules in your area, visit the website on your screen. As you can see, AWR is frontline mission radio. Our first priority is to travel where missionaries cannot go. We broadcast thousands of hours each day in 70 major languages of the world. AWR has the capability and capacity of blanketing almost 80% of the world's population. Not only do we broadcast via shortwave radio, but our signal is on over 1,000 FM and AM stations around the world as well. Our podcast subscribers, internet users, satellite downlinks are growing rapidly evidenced by the 100,000-plus emails, letters, and phone calls we receive each and every year. Yes, AWR is your mission radio. No walls and no borders. For AWR, that means change lives and change hearts around the world because God is using the airwaves of AWR to reach people everywhere. While driving in your car, you no longer need to listen to depressing news, or secular subjects on the radio. The Voice of Hope radio programs offer you uplifting, positive, and spiritual themes. You will find encouragement, joy, and peace of mind. Depending on your location, Voice of Hope can be heard on FM or shortwave radio. For frequencies and airing schedules in your area, visit the website on your screen. So your name is Lydia. Lydia, the... Uh, Lydia, what type of work do you do or did you do? I was a stay-at-home mother and did the work around the house and I had two children. My job was the family, house and children. I was interested in Bible. My grandparents were Christians. My grandfather had a Bible. When I was a little girl, I looked at the Bible. It was such a large book with the big letters. My grandparents always prayed for me, 
and I think that is why I was interested in Bible. I have always been interested in religious radio programs. I listened to anything that spoke about God, even Muslim programs. So you always had this desire from, from a young person to get know more about religion? So how long was your search? I was trying to read the Bible, but we moved to Novomoskovsk, and the Bible stayed with my grandparents in the Caucasus. So we had no Bible to read, and we forgot all about it. So you did your searching, started out during the time of communism? Yes, during that time, it was forbidden to have a Bible in the house. We found a really old and tattered Bible. Somebody had given it to my parents. We were afraid to show to anyone. We weren't really interested in reading it at that time. It's hard for me to imagine that reading a Bible is a hard thing to do or a dangerous thing to do. Can you tell me a little more about that? Where did you go? How did you find a Bible? Or or study or do anything like that. Yes, we were trying to read the Bible, but if anyone knocked at the door, we would quickly hide the Bible so no one would know what we were doing. Immediately behind me is where they kept the lions. The lions for what you ask? Well, what concerns me is the lions for the Christians because the Christians died for their faith on this spot. It's hard to imagine that the Christians who would not give allegiance to another God stood here on this location and they let the lions right out of that area. And they were very hungry lions. And these people died for their faith in Jesus Christ. But the good news is it's only momentary. Because the Bible says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? There is a home waiting for those people soon when Jesus Christ returns. He's waiting for you and me too to give our hearts and life fully to Him, fully to Him. We'll have the courage and the strength to follow Him every moment of every day. We're not exactly sure who came through the corridor, whether it was the lions or the Christians. But one thing is for certain, the outcome was always the same. A few miles out is the island of Patmos. It's a quaint and beautiful island, really, but it was a prison for, uh, for John. And uh, on the island, as uh, you go up a hill, there's a cave there, and they think that that's where the Apostle John uh, stayed and uh, probably had a lot of meditative time and quiet time to write the book of Revelation. <laughs> but praise the Lord, he wasn't exiled forever. Yes. Came back here to apparently the, the place where we are now. Yes, uh, the little old city of Ephesus is nearby, and 
that's the place where John spent many, many years. He was actually the pastor of Ephesus. Really? I never knew that. <laughs> of the church there in Ephesus, okay. yes. Okay. And uh, he, uh, he is a unique uh, disciple of Jesus. He was, uh, at the time, one of the younger ones. Peter was an older person. And uh, I think of the time when, just before the resurrection, or, or at the time of the resurrection, they were running to the tomb and John ran, but uh, Peter was having a hard time keeping up with him. But John respectfully waited until Peter, the elder one, got there before they did anything. I can almost start appreciating that nowadays. Yes. <laughs> Being behind <laughs> just right. a little bit. <laughs> well, John was known as the apostle of love. And his gospel is a little different than the others. It is. Uh, the three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are more narrative and story. John's is more theological. He talks about faith and the Holy Spirit and love. And uh, in all of his writings, that theme of love seems to come through. And I love the way he was so humble in his writings. He never referred to himself only the one Jesus loved. Or yes always diverted attention away from himself. That's right. No, John, uh, John was uh, also a person that uh, lived the longest. He was, um, it was almost to the end of the first century before he died. Of course, he spent many years on Patmos in exile, but apparently after that exile, he was able to come back here to Ephesus, uh, to this area. And apparently, it seemed like he lived out his life here, and then actually the tomb is up over here where they say he's yes. buried. But this is a very sacred site to Catholics, I know, because two popes have visited this area. Yes, and uh, also uh, there is a place nearby here, I understand, that is the place where uh, Mary, Jesus' mother, lived. And of course, Jesus asked John to take care of his mother when he was hanging on the cross. That's right. And of course, John loving Jesus so much would have done exactly that. Apparently right through to the end. To think that this could be the place John is buried, you think of all the history here, it's, it's, yes. uh, it's moving. One of the favorite things people like about AWR is its stories. We have stories from all over the world. Some of them involve danger. Many of them involve miracles of God, but certainly all of them involve the miracle of changed lives. I've written a little book of some of the favorite stories in the face of death. Another, radios given by angels, coming to Christ in a Muslim country. These and many other stories. It's simple. Just log on to www.awr.org storybook and you can download your free PDF version of stories from places where missionaries cannot go. Do it now so you and your family can immediately enjoy these incredible testimonies of changed lives from around the world. So don't wait. Log on now to www.awr.org storybook. After Perestroika, it was much easier to listen to the radio. We started to listen to the Voice of Hope. I was really interested in Voice of Hope because it was the most simple and easy to understand of all the Christian radio shows. I sent a letter so I could learn more and take the Bible Correspondence course. How did you ever find the AWR program? 
It was by chance. Tell me about that first time when you found it by chance. I was so happy that we had the radio station. It was a pleasure to listen. I don't know how to explain it, but it was so pleasing to listen and learn more about Jesus. And I really wanted to learn more. You said you accidentally came across the program the first time, but why did you keep the dial there? What, what tweaked your interest to stay, stay right there? I was always interested in a program like this. That's what fit my soul. It was like bread. It was so nice. I was happy to get something to feed myself. It was so close to my heart. So you wrote down the address, you sent for the Bible lessons, and then what? I was really interested and was searching the Bible to see if it was really right to keep Saturday. I was attending the Orthodox Church and I was asking the priest and the people and even went to confession and asked about Saturday. I felt like it was a big sin in my heart because I wasn't keeping Saturday as the Sabbath. The priest told me, I forgive you all of your sins, but I was waiting for more information, for the answer to my question, but he didn't explain anything. I was asking around about Saturday, but no one was keeping Saturday as the Sabbath. When I read the Bible and saw those words, I started to keep the Sabbath myself. But where did you get your first Bible? Communism, it was illegal. How did you get it? My aunt sent us a Bible from Caucasus. This Bible belonged to some church. My aunt was losing her sight and couldn't read anymore because it has small letters. So she sent the Bible to us and we started reading this Bible. Ben, you mentioned in the car, and then we didn't have time to finish it, but a story about, uh, I guess, Eusebius had shared it. Yes, uh, Eusebius is one of the early church historians, and uh, he writes about the Apostle John in one of his chapters. He tells a story of how John had been away from Ephesus for quite some time, uh, the church that he founded here. And uh, when he came back to visit one time, he discovered that one of the young men that he personally had led to Christ had been uh, falling in with bad company and had gone with them and they had become bandits. They uh, wandered around in the hills here and would attack travelers and so on. And when he heard that this young man had forsaken Christ and had gone off with this, he could hardly contain himself. And so as the story goes, Though he was an old man, gray-haired, he took off uh, climbing the hills, looking all around to see if he could find this young man. Well, uh, when he got near the cave, of course the bandits had guards all around and they took him prisoner 
and into the cave, but the young man knew him and told the guards that it was okay. And uh, the Apostle John, that Apostle of love, pled with this young man to come back to Jesus Christ. Why would he leave what he had learned? And he just used every persuasion that he could think of. And finally, what could the young man do but respond to his spiritual father, the Apostle John, and come back to the church of Ephesus with him? And you know, that's uh, such an example of uh, the old apostle, the apostle of love. What an example for you and for me, you know, to never let a soul go. That's right. Because it means eternal life or eternal death. John was really serious about that. He, too often, I think, we kind of let people drift away and don't do anything about it. But John was intense about maintaining and keeping this young man in the fold. Amen. In the second chapter of the book of Revelation, God specifically writes to the church here at Ephesus. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and the labor, and thy patience, and how thou cannot bear with them which are evil. And he goes on to say, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do thy first works. And here is the reward of those for doing the first works. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. What an exciting promise. Since you found Jesus Christ now in the fullness of, of his love, what does that mean to you? I'm really peaceful in my soul and I hope that somebody will take care of me and help me. Lydia, I want to thank you so much for sharing today and being under the rain out here, but still staying. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's going to be fun to be with you in heaven. In that church of Ephesus so many years ago in New Testament times, the Christians did have some challenges in their faith. We've heard those stories as they've been repeated. We also saw in today's program the story of Lydia in Russia. Lydia was a person who all her life had sought to learn more about the Christian faith. The Apostle John in the book of Revelation wrote letters to the seven churches. The first church was Ephesus, this place where we're standing right now. And the counsel that Jesus Christ gives to the church of Ephesus, part of it says, I know that you have persevered, even though you have suffered greatly for my name, but you have not grown weary, chapter 2, verse 3. That is the characteristic, both of Lydia and the people here in Ephesus. You and I want to be those kind of people. Won't you support Adventist World Radio? I hope that you'll partner with us to spread the gospel to these people who are hungry and thirsty. If you'd like to do that, give us a call, 1-866-503-3531. Or you can write us at 12501 Old Columbia Pike, Silver Spring, Maryland, 20904. Or log on to 
awr.org. Thank you for watching and please join us again for another exciting gospel adventure because around the world, AWR is making waves.